In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Father, we just want to thank you and bless you for your word. As we share your word, God, bring illumination. Let it challenge us. Where we need to let it admonish us. Let no one under the sound of my voice, in person, physically, or online, live without their lives being changed by your word. In Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. 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 The message uh, it's a two-part message. is titled, The Call. Um, I will speak of the first part today and finish, by God's grace, next week, Sunday. The Call. The scripture that is founda- our foundation text for what I'm going to be sharing is taken from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the first chapter, uh, verse 4 to 13. Then the word of the Lord came to me, the prophet said, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north. The question that these scriptures pose is a question that is on the minds of many. What am I called to do? What am I here for? It's a question that frankly plagues humanity. Christians and non-Christians. What am I called to do? Young people are asking, what am I called to do? If there's a gathering where someone is teaching about how to discover your call or your purpose, it's going to be packed full. Because people want to know, what am I called to do? What am I here on this earth for? And whilst the rest of the world might be running helter-skelter, trying to get this question answered, that's not the lot of the child of God. The Christian shouldn't be in that position. Clarity as to what we are called to do is our portion. And so I'm going to share with you the foundation from which we find out what we are called to do. 
The word of God, the Bible says, came to the prophet Jeremiah. The first thing he says is that the word of the Lord came to me. The discovery of a calling or a purpose cannot be outside the word of God. Provision for the child of God to discover their calling or their purpose at this foundational level, which I'm going to talk about, and then at the secondary level, which might form a part of another series, can only be found in the word of God. The word of God is the revealed mind of God. God, what are you saying? He hands us a book. This is what I am saying. And to make sure that we understand the book, he puts in his child, it's a privilege that no one else has in the world, he puts in his child to take up residence from the moment that person comes back to him. The author of the book, so that the author of the book of the revelation of the mind of God is, re is, is residing in you and I. Can someone say amen to that? He gives us a book that contains his plans and his purposes for the child of God. He's saying to the child of God, you don't have to live in darkness or ignorance. I will reveal to you my plans, my thoughts, my purposes. So when it was time to reveal his calling to Jeremiah, Jeremiah had to have an encounter with the word of God that drove darkness and ignorance out and light, illumination, revelation came. So the psalmist says in Psalms 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is he saying? If I don't have your word, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall into a ditch. If I don't have your word, I can't see far. I can't get a vision. If I don't have your word, I'm going to be groping around at noonday like it is midnight. If I don't have your word, I'm going to be going from pillar to post, wondering what am I supposed to do. If I don't have your word, I'm going to try out so many things, I am going to get burnt out. If I don't have your word, I'm going to encounter accidents that I shouldn't encounter on this journey of life. But when I have your word, it's a light to my path. It tells me what to do immediately. The next step, it's a lamp to my path. To my feet. When it's a lamp to your feet, what you want to know is, God, what do I do tomorrow? He says, the word is a lamp to your feet. What step do I take next? The word is a lamp to your feet. You also don't just want a lamp to your feet tomorrow. You want to be encouraged by what is coming ahead. You want to see the pathway. You want to have an idea of the journey. So he says, it's a light to my path. That's why when Paul was talking to his protege, Timothy, he says in, in 2 Timothy, the second chapter and the 15th verse, he says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What a tragedy that we have the most precious diamond in our possessions, 
but a lot of the church is living in poverty. We have the word of God, his mind. None of us has a right to be in ignorance or darkness because he has revealed his mind to us in his word. That's why you can judge how successful a person is going to be. And success is defined by fulfilling God's plans and purposes, by the person's relationship to the word of God. Not the person's attendance at church, but the person's relationship to the word of God. What's your relationship to reading the word of God? But please, reading is different from studying. What's your relationship to studying the word of God? If I asked you what tools do you use to study the word of God, you should be able to tell me a commentary that you use, some Bible commentary, some concordance, some, some app, some tool, you should be able to if you are studying the Word of God. So you can't just read it. No, that's starting off. You must study the Word of God. The same way you studied for your examinations, you must study the Word of God. And you can't just stop there you have to enter the realm of meditating on the Word of God. And you know, for a people who come from a culture where activity is celebrated, where people wear badges for activity, where it is pride, said with pride that I don't sleep much. It is said with pride that I'm all over the place. I have so many meetings. You know, have you heard people say that thing? They have a, feel a sense of importance. Like, you are not doing anything. I have 20 meetings today, 30 tomorrow. I, I, don't, I only slept four hours. What a pitiable human being. Because it is in the stillness and the quiet that God speaks. The Lord is my shepherd, the psalm says. I shall not want. How shall I be in a place where I don't want? Because he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Lie down. And then he leads me beside still waters. And then he can restore my soul. So a lot of us have to be able to calm down. Meditate on the word of God. Meditation is not a discovery of Far Eastern religions. Meditation belongs to the child of God. And then when we meditate on the word, we confess it. But you can't confess what you don't know. So we begin to speak it. It frames our world. There's no radical science to how we live an overcoming life. These are the principles. And then when we speak it, we then obey it. So the young man is about to embark on his life. He has been told what his call is by God. Of course he's afraid. He's scared of this call. He has seen the larger-than-life mentor that he had and seen all the troubles that the mentor went through and is wondering, how can I be successful in this? 
And God's voice speaks to him. Joshua 1 verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do, to do, to do according to all that is written in it. For then and only then will you make your way prosperous and will you have good success. Can someone say amen? amen. Number two. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, this is simply staggering. The import of that revelation is mind-blowing. It's impossible for us to unpack it fully in one service, one week, one year, frankly, for the rest of our lives. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He says, you existed, Jeremiah, in my mind and in my plans before you existed in your mother's womb. He says, normal people say life starts when you are born. Some say life starts when a sperm meets an egg and there's ovulation. Those who might stretch it would say life starts when mother and father come together in copulation. God says all that life has already started. That life for you started when you were in me. I had an intimate relationship with you. I knew you. You existed before you existed because you existed in me. And in me, I had thoughts and plans for you. You're not sent to this earth to find out what to do. You're sent to this earth because the creator of the ends of the earth had a plan for you. I came to fulfill destiny. I didn't come to start to try to create my destiny. No, I came to fulfill a plan, a plan of God and on an assignment. That's why I find it in God because when he formed me, he formed me to fulfill a particular purpose, a particular assignment. And so is the case for you. It's staggering to imagine that my parents came together because of me. Unbelievable. They thought they were in love with each other. They didn't know that they had to fall in love with each other because they, they had to come for me. In the same way that Mary was chosen to carry Jesus. Joseph was chosen as the father of Jesus. Your mother was chosen to carry you because you have an assignment to fulfill for God. Everything, including your parents meeting each other, was orchestrated to bring what already existed in the immaterial world, but existed into the material world. It's a mind-blowing concept. When you understand that, you suddenly understand the limitations of Satan. You understand that Satan is not all-powerful. He has to bow to the plan and purpose of God. And you are the plan and purpose of God. Can someone say amen? amen? Number three. He says, I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So he said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you, Jeremiah. This thing started way before you imagined. We already had plans, thoughts concerning you. And by the way... I also ordained you from then to 
an assignment. Is that word ordained I like? Um, another word for ordained is I appointed you. We are appointed to do what we are, what we are called to do. And you know, when you get an appointment, the weight of the appointment is really determined by the person appointing you. So in certain circles, I mean, if the CEO of a company appoints you, that's pretty weighty. If the manager appoints you, it's okay, but it's not the CEO. If the CEO appoints you, then the board ratifies the appointment. How many know that? In that company, you're settled. This one, the king of kings, God himself, the creator of the ends of the earth, the I am that I am, the God who is more than enough, the God who answers by fire, your father and my father, the self-existing God appointed me. Bring on the devil that wants to tamper with that appointment. And you know, when someone appoints you, you carry the mantle of the person. So when, when people come against that person. They are not coming against that person. They are coming against the authority of the appointment. You are appointed by God. And that word ordains also speaks of investing in someone. As I ordained you, I have invested in you. I have given you everything that will help you fulfill the assignment. That's why the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Even God himself can't withdraw, chooses not to withdraw what he has given. They're without repentance. I've wired you for your calling. I've woven into you what is needed for your assignment. It's also a way of saying, if you don't do this, and you try all this, you will never find the fulfillment that comes from doing what you're wired to do. You know, you don't have to teach fish to swim. Have you ever seen a swimming class for fish? You don't teach fish to swim. You just put it in the water, the thing starts swimming. Starts moving in the water. It's says natural habitat. Because that's what it was designed to do. When you find what you're ordained to do, it's your natural habitat. People look at you and wonder, how are you doing it? But it's your natural habitat. That's what I was wired to do. And then the word ordained speaks of an anointing, an empowering, an enablement, the grace that makes something a curious work. That's why when you see people in what they were anointed, ordained, in God invested in them to do, you marvel. And that's how God shows the full expression of his person and his grace through every one of us doing what we have been ordained to do. So, the rubber hits the road. For you and I, what exactly are we called to do? Of course, we can do detailed work in trying to narrow it down. You know, we can do classes and seminars in trying to determine what you're called to do. Ultimately, the Spirit of God will lead you. But there's a foundational calling that is the calling of every child of God that sometimes we miss 
in trying to find out the secondary calling. But if you miss the foundation, the building can't stand and invariably caves in. There's a calling that we all have. And that's what I want to spend the time that is left on. What are we called to? You and I are called to do three things, to three offices, if you want. Three expressions. We are called to be prophets, we are called to be priests, and we are called to be kings. It applies to us irrespective of whatever else we might do. So I can work for J.P. Morgan. I can walk in on the trading floor, but I am a prophet, I'm a priest, and a king. I can walk in the council. I am a prophet, I'm a priest, and a king. I can be a doctor. I am a prophet, I am a priest, and a king. I can be a musician. I am a prophet, I'm a priest, and a king. I can be a pastor. I am a prophet, I am a priest, and a king. Every child of God is called foundationally to being a prophet, a priest, and a king. As prophets, we are called, irrespective of where we find ourselves, to speak the divine truth. The challenge today is that the prophets don't know that they are prophets. We are not called like Jeremiah into the office of a prophet. But as children of God, we are called to be prophets in speaking the divine truth. We are called here on earth in this chaos and this confusion, to speak the divine truth. And if the prophets are not speaking the divine truth, then the lies proliferate because the truth is not countering the lies. So we speak the divine truth into marriage. We speak the divine truth into the issues of sexuality. We speak the divine truth into govern governance and government. We speak the divine truth into our families. But then if we don't know the divine truth, then we are mute because we can't speak it. That's why we must study the word so that we know the divine truth. We speak it with love. We speak it as words of kindness, but we speak the divine truth. Can someone say amen? And sometimes we speak the divine truths and it looks like nothing is changing. That was Jeremiah's life. God gave him a word to the nation of Israel. He spoke the word, spoke the word. The people turned against him, persecuted him, intimidated him. At a stage he was frustrated. I'm speaking the word, nothing is changing. But then we have the privilege 2,500 years later of looking back in amazement. Everything Jeremiah spoke has happened right before our eyes. Historically marked by people who are not Christians. We read it and we line it up with what Jeremiah said and we understand that sometimes I speak it today, it happens tomorrow. Sometimes I speak it, it happens after I've gone. But believe me, as a child of God, there's no word I put into the atmosphere that is from God that does not achieve the impact that it should. You know, part of the problem is that we think we don't matter. 
you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, a, a theory, um, the butterfly effect. Has anybody heard about the butterfly effect? Okay. The mathematician uh, Edward Lorenz, I think his name was, came up with this, this, this proven theory that when butterflies flap their wings, the culmination of the flapping of the wings of the butterflies is powerful enough to change the course of a tornado. So when they flap their wings weeks, months before, it creates a wave. And the more of them that are flapping, the more powerful the wave is created. So when a force as strong as a tornado rises, the butterflies have created such a counter force that it encounters the tornado and forces it to change. That's the prayer of a Christian. In your room, on your knees, you think you can affect things. But in the heavens, those, your prayers are being taken to counter the plans of the enemy. Amen. Our ministry of salt and light is expressed when we are prophets. When we declare the truth of God's word. That's why God kept encouraging Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of their faces. Just declare my word. So number one, we're prophets. Number two, we are priests. Every one of us. So I'm working for the NHS. I'm a prophet. I'm working in IT. I'm a prophet. Number two, we're priests. We're called to minister to God. The creation of clergy and laity is not a creation of the New Testament church. It was a creation of man. So that you sit here Sunday to Sunday. And as far as you're concerned, the minister in this church, the chief minister is PAI. The other ministers, his wife, Doc, Pastor Denrile, Pastor Funke, Pastor Bola, Pastor Joseph, Pastor Ayo, those are the other ministers. And in your mind, the rest of you are not ministers. That's a lie from the pits of hell. We are all priests. The child of God, part of the call of the child of God is to be a priest. My own priesthood, I do to serve you Sunday to Sunday from this pulpit, a part of it. But God has a priesthood for all of us in relation to him. And we express that priesthood by our prayer, by our worship, by our study of the word, by our acts like fasting, and by our living right. And if you want a model and that's what the Old Testament was, of what our priesthood is to God. You just have to study the life of the Levites, especially the life of the priests and the high priests. They would go in to the temple of God. They would minister unto God, light candles, pour oil, sprinkle blood, and do all the things unto God. And then the high priest especially would take the sin of the, na of the nation or the people before God. 
In the New Testament church, that's what you and I do. We are priests unto God. So somebody says, what's my calling? Your calling is to worship. What's my calling? Your calling is to pray. What's my calling? Your calling is to fast. And it's not that you're praying for a thing, you're fasting for a thing. No, you're fasting to just get closer to God, to know God. You are in your calling. You're praying to God. You want to know him, that I may know you more, like Paul said. You're in your calling. You're worshiping because your, your heart is overflowing with worship. You're joining us on the 30th at, at the altar at Wembley because you just cannot, you just have to be there. You're in your calling. That's who you're called to be. A priest unto God. And then, as you do that, calling as a priest, you enter the full expression of that calling when you enter a ministry of reconciliation. Somebody says, what is that? 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 21. Somebody, what's, what's my calling? This is your calling. And God has made all things new and reconciled, this is Passion Translation, and reconciled us to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. And giving us the ministry of reconciling others to God. Wow. So God came through his son Jesus. He had a plan and a purpose. It was actually part of the plan and the purpose that he had in his mind. Because don't think that sin caught God unawares. That God didn't know that Satan was going to get into, into the serpent. The serpent was going to seduce the woman. The woman was going to convince the man. The man was going to dis disobey God. And then confusion was going to enter the world. Don't think that God didn't know. He sees the end from the beginning. He knew. And the man was going to be separated from God. A gulf created between man, man and God. And man separated from God was definitely heading to hell. But God had a plan. The plan was wrapped up in his son Jesus. That's the redemption story. And so Jesus comes and creates a pathway for some to come across the cross and be reconciled to God. But then those who are reconciled to God have an assignment. It's the ministry of reconciliation. The way they were reconciled, they are sent out into the world, into a ministry. Someone says, what is my calling? Your calling is to a ministry of reconciliation. That's what consumes you. Not your computer and earning your fancy IT salary. Not your fancy investment banking job. What a tragedy that you reduce the call of God on your life to a job in a bank. Not your fancy job in the council. No. Your job is larger than that. You are an ambassador, the Bible says, a minister of God called to the ministry of reconciliation. Look at what he says. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world not even keeping records of their transgressions, and he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. God trusted you and I to do it. It's weighty for me that God could look at me with all my failings, my frailties, my weaknesses, and trust me with a ministry of being used to open the door so people can come to God. And that's why he planted you where he planted you. So that in that place, under the guise of a job, you can enter your full ministry, which is the ministry of reconciliation. So what a tragedy if you're there and you think you're there for a paycheck. 
The enemy has lied and you have believed a lie. He says, we are ambassadors. That's who we are, ambassadors. We represent another country. We are representatives of our sending power. We are ambassadors of the anointed one. I know they don't do business cards now, but I wish I could print business cards for you. When people say, what do you do? Say, I'm an ambassador of the anointed one. I actually can't wait for the next time I get on a plane and have a conversation with somebody next to me. I can't wait to tell them what I do. So, so what do you do? I say, well, I'm an ambassador. I say, really? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm ambassador. I'm, 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 I'm sent from my sending nation. I said, so what did they send you to do? Uh, to, to get the people around me to know the one who sent me. I said, really? I said, so how do you do that? I said, well, I teach, I teach skills of life. I teach people how to be successful and prosper in life. You do? Yes, 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 I do. And it's a, it's this country, we have ambassadors everywhere. Every country we have ambassadors and we don't just have one embassy in the capital. We have many embassies. How many know by, by that time I have the person's attention? That's who we are, ambassadors. Ambassadors. Ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. That's what we're supposed to do. Carry the message of Christ. Why are you, why are you worried about your call? That's your call. As you fulfill that call, then he plants you in Goldman Sachs or in J.P. Morgan or in a council or in a business or, or behind a pulpit or, or he sends you on missions or he gives you an IT company. What a tragedy that you think is your IT company that's your call. No, you are an ambassador who has an assignment and the assignment is to carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. That's our message. Hallelujah. Number three. We're prophets. We're priests. Priests called to a ministry of reconciliation. Ambassadors for God. And number three, we are kings. What do kings do? Kings rule, kings reign, kings make decrees. We started out with an injunction from the creator of the heavens and the earth to rule. How could we have forgotten that? When he made man in his image and his likeness, he gave man dominion, rulership. Authority over his creation. Sin came in and sin did what it does. Sin is a deadly cancerous thing. It ate up our memory. So the kings forgot who they were and started to live like slaves in bondage to the slave master sin. But thankfully, he came to rescue us from that slavery. And to rescue us from the slavery, there was a ransom on the slaves. The slaves could not go for free. 
So what did he do? He said, I will pay more than they could ever have imagined. Such a high ransom that they have no choice but to release the slaves. So he paid with his life. And as he paid with his life, they had no choice but to release us from slavery. But then we came out of slavery but still have a slave mentality in most, most parts. Most believers don't know, don't understand their kingship. So part of what happens in church is that the word of God is used as some sort of medicine, some sort of, so to try and get our minds. That's what, that's what Paul says in Romans 12 verse 2. We, our minds are renewed. We are, we are changed in our minds. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we still think like slaves even though we are not slaves. So our minds have to be changed. So this morning, I hope somebody is beginning to understand that they are kings. So Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Matthew 16. The Passion Translation says, I will build my legislative assembly. That's why during, during Fresh Fire, when they really was praying, I just felt that she was legislating. She was in her office as a king. And in that office as a king, you don't bargain. Have you heard of a king bargaining? What kind of two-penny king is that? Bargaining, please. To sub no, the king decrees. I declare it will be so. That's how kings rule. And that's exactly what he said. He said, in your position of king, I will give you the authority of kings. What was he saying? I will give you the keys of the kingdom realm. That's the authority of the king. And so in that position, that office of king, whatsoever you bind on earth is bound. Whatsoever you lose on earth is loosed. Or as the passion puts it, what you forbid on earth is forbidden. What you release on earth is released. You know, I was thinking the other day that coming out of the culture, that uh, spiritual culture we all come out of, we know how to, we bind a lot. Bind, 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 bind. I said, I think I need to teach Jesus house to also lose. Don't spend no time binding, binding, binding. So what do you forbid? Okay, you're forbidding so much. But then, in the place of what you have forbidden, release something. So the prayer of blessing is as powerful as the prayer, prayer of binding. Bless your children. Bless your wife. Bless your husband. Bless the city. Bless the nation. It's as powerful as binding the spirits. Because it's the authority of a king that is declaring a blessing. If a king blesses, the thing becomes blessed. So bless your children. Call them. Speak into them who they are going to be. Bless them. We don't fully understand our authority of kings. Where does it come from? This authority of a believer to forbid. I forbid it. And, and Jesus modeled it for us. He modeled it for us. This authority. He modeled it for us. Mark 4 verse 39. The storm arose. The disciples panicked in the boat. But Jesus understood authority. This thing is subject to me. He stood up. Peace be still. 
as he declared peace be still, everything calmed down. You have the same authority. And how do you have that authority as we end? You don't have the authority because of yourself. No, 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 no. no. You have the authority because you are in Christ. The enemy knows but hopes that you don't know. In Christ. The Bible says about Jesus, 1 Peter 3 verse 22, that he's gone into the heaven, he sits at the right hand of God, and angels, authorities and powers have been made subject to him. You know, it's funny, as we prayed, my mind was cast back. You know, this, this, this morning's fresh fire didn't really was really a serious blessing to me. And, and, you know, Shola will tell you, on the way to church, we were talking in the car. We do that a lot. Don't mind us. We are coming from the same house. We are driving to church. We are still talking. You ask me that, what you want to tell her in the car? Could you not tell her at home? I don't know. But we generally talk if we're not praying. We drive, we drive separate cars. So she calls me from her car, and, and or I call her from my car. So we're in separate cars, and we're talking. Now, it doesn't make any sense because you're thinking you slept, you slept in the same bed with her. You woke up together. You, you know, you, she got dressed. You got dressed. You didn't finish saying anything. Then you get into your car. You're driving. She's driving. And then you're now talking again. But we're talking. And we're talking about our lives. And we're saying our lives are just, it's too much, too busy, too many things. She said to me, I left the door open as I le- walked out of the house. I left it open because I was tired. I've driven for six or seven hours. We had the Festival of Life. We had all kinds. I've, I traveled. I came back, I think, on Thursday. I'm traveling tomorrow. I'm coming back on Friday. I'm traveling two days later. And I came back. I just thought, this is crazy. This is crazy. In all this, there's church, 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 meetings, strategy meetings. I'm having meetings at airports in the waiting room. I'm having meetings. I'm thinking, this is, you, we're just tired. So I was saying to her that I'm tired. So she said to me that, Agu, do you have to take fresh fire? Can't you just use that to rest before you? Because you have to preach. I said, no. I said to her, don't tell the church. And now he's going to tell the church. <laughs> I said to her, that fresh fire is for me. I said, don't, I don't know about the rest of them. It's for me. I said, I'm taking it because of me. I need those 45 minutes of a fresh anointing. As if God heard me that, don't worry, you don't have to take it. I got in three minutes late, didn't really have started. As I walked in, the wave of the anointing that hit me. I couldn't get up to this platform. I sat there praying. And as I was praying, I'm telling you about the authority of a believer. I was transported to something I read in Charles Colson's book, The Born Again. Charles Colson is one of my heroes. He's, he's died. In the book, Born Again, Charles Colson, at 29, was White House counsel to Nixon. And he said, as a 29-year-old boy out of Harvard, he was sitting with Nixon and Kissinger and three or four other people, the most powerful people in the world. And he said they were taking decisions that were affecting nations. So that's where they decided they were going to go, in, go into, into Vietnam. That started the Vietnam War. And he would say they would get in there and 
I think it was Kissinger who would make an announcement. Gentlemen, we're about to take decisions that will affect the entire world. Six people and one young 29-year-old boy. There was Watergate. He was implicated in Watergate. He gave his life to Christ in that Watergate. And it's another story entirely. And ended up in jail. Because when he gave his life to Christ, he thought God would deliver him. But he went to jail. In jail, he met a group of six or seven men who were Christians. And they would pray regularly. And one day, he's praying with them. And it suddenly dawns on him that this is real power. What we had was a shadow. We thought we were changing the world. But six or seven prisoners connecting with God, spiritual transaction with the creator of the ends of the earth, is more power than the president of America, his secretary of state, and some others taking decisions. What am I trying to say? Know your authority as a believer. I control what happens here on earth. I might not be prime minister or king, but on my knees, I decide what happens here on earth. But it is not my decision. I just find out what he wants and I decree it and the earth makes sure it follows. Does somebody understand what I'm saying? So he says, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, angels, authorities, and powers have been made subject to him. Angels, authorities, and powers have been made subject to Christ. And then this is the revelation. Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 6. We end here. But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Christ sits in heavenly places above principalities and powers, dominions, rulers, every authority. And then the revelation is that in Christ I'm seated in the same place as Christ. How many know that serious authority? So when I decree as a king, it's not King Agu, no. It's King Agu seated in Christ. It's the king submitted to the king of kings. It's the king that is not decreeing what he wants, but has heard what the king of king wants. And is decreeing here what the king of king wants. If I understand the power of the king of kings, if I really understand God, that truly all power belongs to him. That there is nothing that God cannot do. If I understand that it is impossible to stop the purposes of God from coming to pass. If I understand that this is the same God that took a whole nation through the Red Sea and made sure the ground was dry. If I understand that this is the God that brought water out of the rock. It's not a God that was created by Google or by my app. It is the God of the Bible. If I understand that this God said to the proud waves thus far and no further and they obeyed. If I understand that this God spoke the world into being and the world continues to revolve by his spoken word. If I understand that this God has power, 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 then I understand that when I, when I decree here what he says, whatever is happening here must align. 
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Bring revelation of who we are so that we can fulfill the assignment. We give you all the praise and glory. With all heads bowed, if there's anyone who hasn't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you don't understand the authority that you have. What a day for you to do so. Step into your shoes. You're designed to reign. If you would just, if you're in here, lift up your hands. You want to settle this, you're in person. You're online. If you will click on the, on the, on the code or the link that has come up. If you're online. And if you're here, slip your hand up. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we bless you. Hallelujah. Father, sweet Holy Spirit, it's obvious we need a fresh revelation of who we are. Almighty and everlasting God, it can only come by your Spirit. Flesh and blood, Jesus said, could not have revealed this to you. It had to have come from my Father in heaven. Father, our Father in heaven, we're asking for a revelation of who we are, that we might fulfill our call as prophets, as priests, and especially as kings, as we decree here on earth what you want decreed. Father, we thank you. Over this body, I decree, Father, no sickness. I decree, Father, no disease. I decree, Father, a wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. I decree an alignment with your plans and your purposes. In Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen and Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, you can give God a clap of your own. Hallelujah.